Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And returning to the show is one of the guests that I had way back in the day, Andrew Russell Burkett. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me back. It's been a little while for sure. Yeah, well, there have been significant changes. I mean, we've always had a little bit of a Theris on the show. You've been on a couple times. A couple people who have signed games with a Theris Entertainment have been on. But since I originally talked with you, I mean, let's see, you've switched from a Theris Games to a Theris Entertainment. You've gotten married. You've cut your significantly long hair and beard. You've had a baby, and you're making comic books, and suddenly you're making blankets? What's going on, man? Yeah, definitely a lot has changed. Uh, still doing the board games, but I definitely um, have always subscribed to uh, an idea that I heard a lot in college, which is that the people who make the most money in a gold rush are the people <laughs> selling picks and shovels. Okay, okay. That, that makes sense to me as a as an Alaskan, you know, getting the, the pick and shovel sourdough metaphor is, you know, that works for me. What doesn't work for me is what business does someone in Florida have knowing about blankets? You know, come on. Like, it's <laughs> constantly like 100 degrees there. How can I trust you to be the person to usher in this new world of board game blanketude? Well, of course, I had to send you one. I <laughs> needed to make sure that someone in Alaska could utilize this blanket. We're, we're making sure to have sensitivity Alaska. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's market research right there. Yeah, exactly. Would this work in a climate that's not 150 degrees? You can't wrap a crocodile in this blanket. So, you know, you need to send it up here. So what what is the impetus for this? Like you you contacted me and you were like, hey man, I'm working on my next Kickstarter, and I was like, oh cool, there's a another follow up. I mean, we already had an interview go up related to Ruins of Mars. You know that that Kickstarter went well and everything, and then I was like, oh, what's the next game? What's the next game? And you're like, yo, they're blankets. And so, like, what was the 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 kind of origin of this? So I definitely always. Uh realized that I have too many games on the shelf behind me that I don't play, unfortunately. And I, I, obviously COVID has made that more difficult to play all the games on my shelf. And so um, even prior to that, before the baby was born and whatnot, I was looking to kind of buy some board game related stuff, um, but I wasn't necessarily buying as many board games because i you know, have a bunch of unopened games. I feel a little guilty with that, but I was like, I can justify buying board game related stuff like these dice tower coasters. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> so so I, I can buy that stuff. It's okay. I, I don't have unplayed coasters. Uh, but so I, I wanted to find a board game blanket uh, for my living room and I could not find anything. I was like, oh, I wonder if it doesn't exist because no one wants it. So I was like, I'm going to have one of my artists that I've worked with a lot in the past, Alan, or he did um, artwork for Cul-de-Sac Conquest and uh, for Supernatural Socks. And he's done a lot of other artwork for me as well. So I said, hey, Alan, you want to design this blanket idea? I might never make it, but he was like, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> so I had him design it um, and then went to a Chinese manufacturer and was like, hey, make me a sample and then we'll see if anyone likes this thing. <laughs> 
So I posted it in some of the Facebook groups and it had like 200 comments. And I was like, okay, maybe this actually could be viable. A lot of people saying, take my money and all that kind of traditional where the business end of me is like, oh, this actually could work. Maybe I should actually do this legitimately instead of just as a side project of I'm going to make one for my house um, kind of thing. See, that, that is so true to you as I know you. I mean, at this point, we've known each other for close to four years, and I, I've always seen you as, like, the entrepreneur and the storyteller. Like, those are the two core elements that, that I identify with you. And just thinking about this as, hey, there there is a need out there, there's a want, and therefore I'm going to fulfill it, that just seems to make so much sense. What I want to know is the story half of it. You know, you, you have this blanket. How did you come up with this character? Was this just the, the, the artist came up with the design for generic white dad bod board gamer dude? Or was this a, a little bit more thought going into it? Because I couldn't tell if I felt honored that the person on the blanket kind of looked like me and a good portion of the board gaming audience or a little attacked <laughs> well so kind of a little bit of both so the original design impetus um the uh, first blanket that we're kind of launching with um is all personified game components um so i wanted to have something gaming uh specific that you know all gamers would kind of recognize but i didn't want it to be something where it would clue people into one game or another and um i was having alan do that design and like i said since he's worked with us on other projects he always likes to add like little tiny homages to atheris so there's like a little snake and and his design but the majority of it is like you know personified pawns and all that kind of stuff so that was the first design we did, and that was the first one that went in those Facebook groups and people started liking. Um, and I wanted to kind of, I was the original plan was I was like, okay, I want people like this blanket. I'm going to go and make a Kickstarter um, for board game merchandise, and I'm going to start this whole merchandise company. And then I was like, oh, that's a lot of logistical <laughs> stuff that I probably should um, focus on one thing. That The whole idea was the blanket. That's the main thing for the Kickstarter. Maybe I can tune out some of the other stuff and maybe add uh, stretch goals that we can add add-ons for t-shirts and socks. I, I made board game socks and had them manufactured recently uh, for like samples and whatnot. They're actually pretty cool. So I'm probably going to do that at some point. So it's like going to be an add-on for the Kickstarter. But it, the, the main goal is for board game blankets. So then I, I have multiple designs. So the second design, I had I started working with an artist that's redoing some of our branding. So we're redoing our website to incorporate more e-commerce. Obviously, as people know, COVID changed a lot of businesses. And so we lost a major sales channel and uh, conventions. And then retailers have been hit really hard. And that means that they are less likely to purchase something from someone like us being a small publisher. So our retail sales for Ruins of Mars were significantly lower than what they probably would have been um, prior to COVID. And so obviously that hurts a smaller business like ours. Um, and so we're trying to figure out um, different sales channels that we can kind of adapt into. And so I had never done much with e-commerce on our website. Our website was kind of static and honestly needed some work anyways. 
Um, so we're trying to do more uh, brand development and whatnot. And so I had the artist that was going to do the website. I wanted to see kind of his graphic design skills um, before paying him a little bit more money um, for the full website development and whatnot. So I had him start by making one of the blanket designs. And it seemed like he based it on me. It was like had similar <laughs> hair and a beard. And I was like, oh, this is funny. But I didn't give him really like any feedback, honestly. So to further design, I was just like, I want a board game blanket. It needs to be board game related. That's it. <laughs> Go with it. And he presented me three designs and they were all pretty cool. So the one was like um, board games kind of being like part of our blood. And so it was uh, a meeple and then all the the veins and stuff were different components um i thought that was cool but could have been maybe implemented a little better so i had him convert it to just a hand so that it's smaller and it can it's more understandable what that is um but i felt like that design was better for like a sticker or something so i'm gonna use that for something else um and then he had a design that's like today i pillage a village and all the kind of typical board game things that you do um and then it says that board games are my happy place uh, and so i liked that and was like that would make a really cool t-shirt so if this kickstarter does really well that's going to be a t-shirt <laughs> that we offer um but that the zen meditation guy related most to me i was like i would buy a blanket with that um particularly because the guy does look like me um but then of course being that a lot of board gamers are like me, uh, straight white males, I didn't want that to be everything. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the things that were kind of, I had always, when the original plan was to make a merchandise company, I talked to an artist we had worked with for um, one of the promo characters for Ruins of Mars, uh, Tatiana Quigley. She did um, the super mutant card for Ruins of Mars and she did awesome with it. So I asked her if she would want to make a t-shirt design uh, basically talking about inclusivity and in board games and uh, basically showcasing everyone's welcome at our table it was the kind of design premise and she was gonna do it and then got too busy and so then it just kind of like slowly fell off um, and then now that I'm doing the blankets and more focused on that um, I kind of did a call to action to find uh, minority uh, graphic designers and artists to make uh, design for our board game blankets that encompass all of the things that we want in board games to be more inclusive and more accepting of all people um, no matter what you know their sexual preferences are or what race they are or any of that kind of stuff does not matter for playing board games so no one should care um, but of course I, I posted it in one of the art and graphic design groups and instantly was hated by every straight white male in the yeah, group. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, no one should care. In fact, well, people should care. They should care that this is a, a worthy cause to, to pursue, to, you know, be inclusive. Um, but in 2020, it turns out that saying, you know, that you want to be inclusive or denouncing white supremacist groups is a controversial thing somehow it's a strange very strange world we live in unfortunately very very sad but uh i kind of knew from the get-go that right um if i could have had peter the guy who did the 
Zen master artwork, make another design. And honestly, um, Peter has been one of the best artists I've ever worked with in terms of communication and getting quality designs quickly. And so I definitely would love to work with him on other projects. And like I said, I'm working with him on the website and stuff, but I felt like the main purpose of the blanket was to highlight minority creators and uh, getting an, a graphic designer artist that is part of one of those minorities that doesn't have as many opportunities would better showcase what the whole idea of being inclusive in board gaming is about. Um, and then, like I said, instantly was hated on by like every straight white male in the group. I was like, I'm not trying to do anything wrong here. I'm literally just trying to help highlight minority voices in board gaming, which should be totally not controversial at all. You know, see, what's so strange about this to me is that in particular, in this hobby, it, it should be the great unifier, right? You know, the, this is, uh, by design, most games want more people. You want more players. Like, how often do you see so much discussion online about like, oh, I don't have someone to play this game. Or, yeah. You know, I don't have enough people who are interested in the games that I'm playing. Or, you know, my game group only likes this type of game. They don't like this type of game. You know, the, the more that we find ways of bringing people into this hobby to feel welcome into this hobby, then the more diverse groups of people there are that may be interested in all these games who might have otherwise been turned off by this hobby because it feels insular and kind of made for uh, a certain sector of population so to me the being inclusive is not just like morally the right thing to do but there's there's like a a selfish impetus to it as well you know i want there to be more board gamers i want to see more games from different perspectives so that i can play them because i don't want to play the same thing over again just like with comic books or movies or you know any number of things sure i i i like the stuff that's been done in the past but that doesn't mean that I don't want to see new and different things in the future and that we can find ways of, of having that as a society. Um, so it, I, I don't know that that's a really strange thing to me. Uh, but like I said, 2020, I, I guess, you know, let's say since 2016, there, there's been somewhat of a reckoning, a realization that a lot of people have had in america that you know maybe hard-earned progress isn't as permanent uh as we thought and wasn't as um i guess expansive as uh we thought so i guess you know that learn from our own naivety and make efforts like you're doing right now but to get into less uh less uh <laughs> dire uh terms let's talk about the the kickstarter itself you know you've kickstarted lots of games in the past you've done lots of consultation on kickstarters what are some of the the logistical things that you weren't necessarily expecting as you started designing the the kickstarter plan for this that have cropped up as you draw near i mean this kickstarter is hot to trot it's ready to go here really soon yeah so the the just like any other board games or anything uh, uh, a lot of it is figuring out um things that 
in theory, you start off without knowing any idea about when I started publishing board games. I had zero idea what it was like <laughs> manufacturing a board game. I was like, I can't tell you what paper quality I need. I have no idea. You're going to have to explain this to me. Um, and so that that's kind of how, how the blankets are, too, is like I don't know what typical GSM's blankets are. Uh, and they're at like manufacturers ask me and I'm like, uh, I don't know whatever's normal. <laughs> Please explain what you normally use. And then I'll pick from those options of whichever one's the best one. That's my go to always. Um, I always go for the highest quality within reason of like not going completely broke. Right, um, right. It's definitely a plan as a company not going broke. Um, and so, so that's been kind of trying to figure that out. And then uh, I got our email recently um, from some of our uh, freight partners, uh, fulfillment end of things, and saying that with Brexit and uh, a lot of things happening in the EU, that VAT laws are changing and that it could mean a substantial increase in pricing for VAT um, in Europe and the EU and them being separate hubs so that uh, publishers like us would have to ship. Uh, some games to the EU and some to the UK in order to be EU and UK friendly um, and that we'd have to pay VAT to each individual um, entity so one to the EU and one to the UK um, so that is kind of a new changing interesting thing that um, could potentially affect a lot of publishers and even though the blankets are a little bit different um, I'm kind of trying to bank off using the same kind of fulfillment companies that all board game companies tend to use and kind of le leverage the existing networks that I've already built up through Atheris um, gaming stuff. So you got the gaming arm of Atheris and now you have the warm, snuggly, fuzzy blanket arm of Atheris <laughs> yeah. that you're working on. What about the fascination with comic books? Like, this isn't something that I saw as a cornerstone of Atheris when I first met you four years ago, but now it seems to be something that you're more and more interested in. I know you've done some fiction work in the past, but it seems to be that you're leaning more towards comic books and graphic novels. What got you into the comic biz? Is this something you got into in adulthood? Or are you a, a fan of comics as a kid? And how does that fit into the whole Atheris picture? Yeah, so um, I didn't read comics as much growing up, but I've always been into reading. I actually failed first grade because I had a reading disability, and so my mom had to read to me, and I got held back and and had to go into all kinds of reading things, and they tried to teach me how to read faster, which was pretty ineffective. Um, then my comprehension just went down, and eventually I worked up, and I think like by like fifth grade, I had like a 12th grade reading level. It drastically changed um, after a few years. Um, but I think that failing had kind of got me more interested in it. So I've always loved reading it and writing ever since then, I feel like. Um, and so when I started Theris, I wrote a story that was about annoying neighbors and then made a game about it. So it was always the, the story came first. Supernatural socks was a story. Me and my brother used to joke that ghosts are stealing our socks all the time. Um, and I was telling that story to my now wife and was like, Oh, that would actually make a cool game. I should try that. And then like a day later I had the core idea of supernatural socks. I prototyped it on the ride 
from Gainesville, where I was living, to Orlando, which is a two-hour drive, and I had the whole thing done by the end of the two hours, and then I started playing it, and it worked immediately. It's the only game I've ever designed that worked. <laughs> I was like, this is weird. <laughs> it is actually works as is the first time. It was crazy. So that happened. Um, but yeah, so basically, I've always liked writing. Um, writing has always been a core uh, central part of me like you talked about I think storytelling has always been something that I've been incredibly passionate about and why I didn't want to be considered like CEO of a therapist I always used chief storyteller and so I felt like integrating more story into our games and incorporating more stories through comic books that we could do more um, into basically more storytelling through different mediums and then trying to integrate those mediums as much as possible. So we're trying to do more board games that integrate comics and graphic novels so that you feel and can relate to the story when you're playing the game. And this is something that some other publishers have already kind of started doing a little bit. Um, Deep Water Games owns a comic book imprint called Source Point Press, and they just released uh, a, a big, big comic um, for Gloomhaven, and they're, they're doing other comics like that that utilize board game universes. I know that they just made a board game for one of their comic uh, that started out as a comic called Franklin and Ghosts, and then they made a board game adaptation of that. So I think that combining the multiple mediums that I think all board gamers tend to, to kind of like comics and reading and s similar things, and so I think they're close enough um, that there's some overlap and that they can also be used together to create more immersive story experiences. I've always thought that comics could be a, a great method for tutorializing board games. Like one of the big barriers for uh, a lot of board games out there is the significant overhead of having to learn them. And yep. using kind of like an avatar, you know, a proxy of the person who's actually having to face this challenge learning the game as it goes with visual components that are entertaining and engaging and there is a story element of you know the this this proxy of people sitting down together learning this game and by factor you are learning this game i i always thought that that would be a, a fantastic way to go to tutorialize games yeah i i definitely agree i think that Rule books are really hard to write. <laughs> yeah, I just read one earlier. I'm not going to say what the the, the game is, but who boy, I was like, man, this needed an editor and a graphic designer. Whew. I won't write my own rules. I, I'm a writer. I won't write them. Um, I don't think I do as well with technical book writing, but more than that, it's like, I feel like I know so much about the games once, even the ones I haven't designed just playing them over and over the repetition i'm like i'm not the best person to write this rule book i'm gonna forget something for sure so i normally will hire rule book editors that then you know i have them come in and consult with me and the designer and make sure that everything lines up and makes sense um but yeah it's, it's super important to hire rule book editors and like you said graphic designers that people underestimate how much graphic design matters it, in a lot of ways matters even more than art um, in terms of legibility and ability to read through the rules and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's incredibly difficult. Even the professional rule book editors make mistakes. Obviously we're all people. Um, 
rule books are super hard because in writing in general, people decipher things in different ways. Um, written communication is very, very difficult. Um, and word choice matters so much with everything. Um, so I, I definitely think that there's a lot that can be improved with rule books. <coughs> so hopefully the industry gets there at some point where they're a little easier to step into games. I know a lot of games are doing more of the tutorial model where it's easier to jump in and then learn the rules as you go, which I think is a great strategy. Well, we have talked about blankets. We've now talked about comics. I cannot let you go without at least asking, what are you doing on the board game end of things? Like, you know, COVID is going on right now. You mentioned that retail for Ruins of Mars wasn't as high as you initially projected or expected for the game. So do you have any games that are coming up on the horizon? Have you signed anything new? Are you designing anything right at the moment? I would love to start designing stuff. I haven't been in that arena as much as I like. Um, but I have signed a few games. So I signed a smaller game by Don Riddle, the designer of Ruins of Mars, that he partnered uh, with Stephen Ekman. Uh, Stephen Ekman started the design process and then incorporated Don a little bit later um, for one of our small box games that's going to be coming out. So I'm excited about signing that. Steven's an excellent designer and friend. And obviously I've uh, touted Don a lot with uh, <laughs> Ruins of Mars. And I've liked all of his games that he's ever showed me. So I definitely think that this one is going to be one that people really like. Like I said, it's a little bit smaller than Ruins of Mars. So I think that um, people who enjoy Ruins of Mars and want something quick in between are going to enjoy this and there's going to be a lot of cool meeples hopefully so that's a thing and then uh, Julio Nazario and Matt Wolf designed a worker placement game that we recently signed so we're really excited about that and that's the first game that we want to kind of incorporate more storytelling into so we're trying to basically I'm working to create a comic or a graphic novel that fits within the universe of the game uh, to incorporate more storytelling in it, create a more immersive story experience of that one. Julio Nazario is on fire right now. That dude is designing like what he's probably designed like 40 games since I last saw him at PAX Unplugged yeah, last his, year. Yeah, his, his mind definitely uh, works a mile a minute. I, I met him at a smaller convention, Tantrum Con, and uh, I would talk to him and he had so many games. <laughs> he, yeah. sh he showed me like three at a time. Right, right, he, right. I'm like, he's like, what sell sheet do you want? I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> there's so many, uh, so many options to choose from. But yeah, he, he designs really, really clever systems as well. Um, I know that he has a lot of really cool games. That his Holly Festival game that recently came out oh, is yeah. incredibly gorgeous. That's one of the prettiest games I've seen. Um, so he, he's designed a lot of really cool stuff. And I think, like you said, I, I'm sure he has a lot signed that, you know, in, in the back end that we're going to start just seeing them all pop up all at once. Like, that's what happened with J.B. Howell and Mike Mahilsek. They started signing games, and they're local to me, so I knew that they were signing them, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, they just have, like, eight games now <laughs> overnight. <laughs> yeah. Well, last thing I want to ask you about, especially because you're in the blanket gig at this point, 
talk to me about your swaddle game. I mean, I know you got a baby in the house, so you mastered the swaddling techniques. I know that was a big point of pride for me. I was like, no one is swaddling my baby better than me. So you got this down, Pat? Uh, unfortunately not. I'm not the best. My wife probably beats me in. Well, she's better than me in every regard. <laughs> And she, if she ever listens to this, she'll appreciate that she knows she's better than me in any regard. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, she she's probably was the better swaddler of the two of us. Uh, I only did it a few times, honestly. I I work I work early in the morning, and so a lot of the times the late night stuff ends up going to her. I'm like, I'm sorry, I work at six. <laughs> Well, you know, who has to swaddle a baby when you live in Florida? I mean, that's an Alaska problem. That that's the other thing is my we we talked about this before. My house is like incredibly hot all the time. It's it would probably actually be cooler most of the time in my house, especially before I ju I literally just had to fix my AC because it was like not working well. I was like 25 years old. Um, but it was so hot in my office that if I opened my windows in here, it was cooler. And oh. Florida's like 100 degrees, so that doesn't make sense. No, that is murderous, and I would most assuredly die. Like sweating. And, well, I, 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 had a, I had a few calls, honestly. So I think my first meeting with Julio, my fan was on, and it was too loud, and I had to turn it off. And it was so hot, I was sweating the whole meeting that we were playing the game. <laughs> Must have been like, whoa, cool, cool guy that I'm siding with here right now. <laughs> All right, ma'am. Well, as always, it is an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Uh, what is the name of the Kickstarter for the blankets? How can people find out more about this? I haven't really currently named it anything. What? I mean, you're, you're killing my outro here. I know. Man. I know. Kill, killing it. How am I supposed to be like hot ones where I'm like, this camera, this camera, this camera? You know, tell the people what you got going that's on. The, that's the best part of hot ones. <laughs> I, I currently have it titled Board Game Blankets Stay Warm, My Friends. Oh, okay. I, I eventually plan on naming them, but I was like trying to figure out if I want to make a separate like but part of a Theris entity for the merchandise, and I haven't really figured out exactly what I'm going to do yet. And I'll probably like wait until like the day before the Kickstarter, and then I'll figure it out. Well, I'll tell you what, I will put a link down below in here if you're watching the video or if you're listening to the podcast, it'll be in the, the description uh, on the website to where you can find out more about Atheris Entertainment and all of their blanket enterprises. Thanks again for coming on to the show, Andrew. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.